0: Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, your life connection to the information for a healthy body, an enlightened mind, and a renewed spirit. Good morning, everyone. I welcome you to today's show, and I'm grateful for you, for the fact that you're listening in, and you know what that means? It means that you're trying to grow, that you're trying to live a life that flows easier, that has more clarity, less pain, and more joy. Isn't that what we all want? Yes, it is. However, not everyone is able, willing, or desiring to take active steps to change things in their life or to change themselves, to become better. Some people are content with living things just as they are, and why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because it's too scary to change. Change is indeed a very scary thing. And there are so many unknowns. We are stretched out of our comfort zone and we're nudged towards learning different things. So change is even harder, though, when you're grieving. When, it is, when we have not willingly sought out Change, But the circumstances in our lives have thrown change our way. For example, when we unexpectedly lose a job or we lose our child or our loved one due to an accident or the person we thought loved us informed us that they wanted a divorce. When any of these big, big events happen in our life, change has announced itself in an unwelcome and painful way. Don't you agree? So do to us in those cases. Well, it wrecks us. It leaves us paralyzed and in shock and also disappointed, heartbroken, or both. I'm sure you're familiar with uh, this little, cute little insect that we call roly-poly. So they're insects that when you touch them or when they feel threatened in danger in some way, they tighten up into little balls. And, you know, this is what happened to us. When change is forced on us, when tragedy or a downfall or heartbreak happens, we become little roly polys, tied in our little balls. And we don't want to come out because we're not only in shock, but we're scared. We feel threatened. We never saw whatever happened coming. And we're afraid of what will happen if we come out. And this is a protective mechanism that makes sense. We are so fragile, and the world, society, is not prepared to treat us with the tenderness, the understanding, and the white birth that we need at this time. So know that it's okay to do this, to go into your shell, and to turn into a little roly-poly, but only for a while. How long? Well, there is not a definite time. It varies from individual to individual, but each person knows when the time is right to begin venturing outside of their shell. Okay? But when we're ready ready to come out of our shell, then the time has arrived for us to take active steps to welcome the change, to let go of the fears, and to move forward. And it sounds a lot easier than what it is. But if we want to live our lives fully, this is something what, that we must be willing to do at some point, but only when we're ready. So where are you now? You who, anyone who's listening to this show at this moment, where are you now? Are you someone who has lost a child or a loved one? Do you find yourself crying all the time because you miss him or her? Do you feel assaulted by so many memories of times shared and find it very hard to function, to continue to maneuver yourself through life, a life that you no longer recognize because it's so completely different and it just seems so senseless without your child, without your loved one? If so, you're not alone. And it was no matter how long ago the loss happened. The holidays always bring it all back to us. And it's hard. It's very, very hard. I know, I've been there. I've been there. It's been twenty two years this year since I lost my son Christopher to cancer, to leukemia. And still, it's still hard. It's still um you still have, but not in the same way, the hold that grief had on me just was released, so i I still miss him. I wish he were here, but the pain is no longer there. So, I want to offer you some tips to help yourself during the holidays, okay so the first one is. <clears throat> Number one, allow yourself to cry until you are completely spent. No more tears will come. Cry it all out. Let it all out. With tears come healing, healing to your heart. The second tip is write a letter from the heart to your loved one, to your child, expressing how you feel, how much you miss him or her, the regrets that you have, the wishes that you have, how much you are struggling, anything that you may want for them to forgive you, whatever it is that you need to get off your chest, write it down. Write it down in that letter. And after you have done that, burn the letter. And as you watch the smoke go up, visualize the words in the letter reaching your loved one. This is very symbolic. And symbolism and rituals, are very, very powerful in in healing our subconscious, okay? And you can do this letter writing as many times as you wish. Know that each time that you do it, a little bit of healing will enter your heart. The third tip is think of something that your child or your loved one would want you to do to make the world a better place. It could be something you can do for his or her sister or for another family member, or for kids with cancer, or for kids with uh, cerebral palsy, or for people with Alzheimer's, then do something for that group of people in their name. And this is how you can carry on with the legacy of your loved one. I guarantee you that where your loved one is, he or she will have a huge smile on his or her soul. The fourth step is give yourself permission to live again, to allow some happy moments into your life. Granted, happiness is completely, the happiness that that we feel after losing a loved one will never be the same kind of happiness that we felt before that. That that happiness that we had before was kind of happiness. It was a happiness that was completely trusting that nothing as horrible as what happened would have happened to us or to our family. When well, we lost that innocence, we lost that innocence when, when, when we lost our loved one. So now the happiness that we'll be able to experience is different. It, it has a little bit of, bit of sweetness there because we know whatever we have, whoever we have right now, can be taken away at any moment just by, just by life and the random things that happen in life, okay? But you still can achieve a measure of happiness, okay? <clears throat> so this is what your child or your loved one wants you to do, truly, truly it is. The fifth step is do your utmost to focus on positive thoughts rather than negative thoughts. And I know that this is hard to do because what could be positive about losing someone you love with your whole heart? Nothing, right? So what I mean is that dwelling on the negative will not change the fact that your loved one is no longer here with you. So at least the least least that you can do is that you can consciously choose to channel your thoughts to the gift, the blessing that it was, to have had that person in your life at all. Does this make sense to you? Feel free. I want you to feel free to call in, to call the show at 646 378 If you want to comment any questions or anything that you would like to share, they're welcome, okay? So that was the fifth tip. The sixth tip is surround yourself with people with whom you can talk about your child or loved one, but who also want to dwell on the positive. But otherwise, you will bring each other down and will not feel any better after spending time together. And I noticed that this is something that happened. That was my experience when I joined a support group after the loss of my son. In the support group, everybody was just dwelling on the loss, dwelling on the years after losing their loved one dwelling on the, the emptiness. But at some point, it's important, important to also dwell on the gratitude. It's important to turn the corner. You know, there is a place for dwelling on the negative. We, we have to let that out of our system. But then after a couple of years, I would say, um, then it will be a healthy step to begin to focus on the gratitude that we feel for having had our child for the time that we had or our loved one for the time that we had him or her. We cannot change. We cannot bring our loved one back, but we can do something to feel better ourselves, okay? So this, if you get a live fine tree this year, get a one that that you can plant, the, the one that, has, that comes in the pot, that has the roots, you know, because here's an idea. You could plant it in your backyard in memory of your loved one. And, you know, and if it is your, a child, you can order a small plaque and put a special name on it. And that, be- that would be a beautiful thing to watch that Christmas tree, even if it is planted in your house. It doesn't have to be, even if you live in an apartment, it doesn't have to be planted outside. You can keep it in, in your home, you know. But, um wouldn't it be a beautiful thing to begin to, um, to keep it and to watch it grow year year by year, to decorate it for the different holidays and seasons, seasons with anything that reminds you of your child? It would be like a commemorative tree, life tree. Okay? That's just an idea. The right. eighth tip is if you have other children, if you have lost a child and you have other children and they're struggling do to missing their brother or sister, sister you could just go to like Joanne's Fabrics or Michael's get the materials to make a birdhouse, house, paint it and decorate it and fill it with bird seed do this with the intention of attracting as many birds as possible in memory of your loved one and so the children can, can have this activity and can be thinking of their brother or sister as they watch the birds come in and the ninth tip is You could also make or pick a special tree ornament for your loved one. Your child or your loved one who passed may not be here physically this Christmas, but he or she will always be spiritually present and in your heart at every special occasion. So it's important to take the time to connect with that, to connect with the fact that at the inner realm that we cannot see with our naked eye, our loved one exists. Our loved one, our child, loves us immeasurably, and the connection that we have with him or her will always be there, did not die with their physical body death. Okay. And the last tip, the tenth step, it says that <clears throat> that I want to share with you. It's a photo, and it may seem strange to you, but I have seen, you know, in my work as a, when I work as a pediatric hospital special worker taking care of uh, children and their grieving parents in a hospital setting, I did that for 17 years. I saw families do this. They would take a photo, like their Christmas photo, and then they would add it to the photo, they would add a photo of their loved one to it, like they Photoshop it and they put it in there. And so what, what is important about doing this? Why would it be something good? I mean, it doesn't appeal to everybody, of course, but for those to whom this, uh, this is appealing, what this does is that it validates for you that even though you cannot see your loved one, your loved one is still there. It validates for you that your loved one existed and that he or she is still around you and is and will always be a part of the family. So this is, people usually do this, especially during the first two to three Christmases, when it is the most important to have it acknowledged that your loved one existed and mattered, and that he or she will never be forgotten. i tell you something, to this day, just anytime I take a photo of my two children um, who were, you know, younger than Christopher, I always imagine in my mind's eye when I'm taking the photo of Christopher around them, Christopher the bear how he would look at the age that he would be at this time. It's something that I just do automatically, but it's a way to soothe my heart. It's a way to still, even after 22 years, to fill in that void that was left by his physical living of this world. Do you see what I mean? So keep in mind that all of these things that I have mentioned, they are only suggestions, Okay. And so you don't, some of them may hit the chords with you and others may not feel right to you. You'll be like, oh, no way, I'm going to do that. Everyone is different and therefore everyone needs different things in order to feel better. But know that I'm sharing this with you with a pure intention of being of help at this time of your life because I have been there and I know firsthand the heartbreak that it is to face the holidays without your child or without your loved one. So so far, I have discussed practical, tangible things that you can do in order to feel better. But how about what you can do spiritually to take care of your soul during this trying time? During this trying time, because the way I look at it, our soul is crying when we're grieving. Our soul is crying. Do you does this resonate with you? And when I say what kind of things you can do to, to spiritually to help yourself, I don't mean attending religious services, even though that might help you feel better. But no, what I mean is that when we're facing the pain of not having your loved one with you, when you are facing that pain, a door is opening that you can choose to walk through or not. And if you do walk through it, you will be asked, to get in touch with the fact that no matter how much you try to move forward or feel better, you can make it easier or you can make it harder on you, on yourself. You can make it easier if you remember to ask God, the higher power, and the angels for their help, their guidance, their support, and their encouragement. Because you know why? If you do so, they will literally shower you with messages, that you will recognize to let you know that they are walking right beside you, helping you and thanking you for asking for their help. And you're probably asking yourself, how am I going to be able to recognize these messages? Well, because you're going to be looking for them. When you begin to connect spiritually, then you are looking, you're paying attention. And when you're paying attention, you will notice, okay? So have you already walked through that door that spiritual door that opened up for you the moment that you lost your child or your loved one, then you know what I'm talking about. But if you have not done so, I encourage you to do so, because things will begin to get easier for you the moment that you decide to do so. How do I know this? Because that is what I did in my own life when facing the loss of my son, Christopher, to cancer. And my life radically changed as a result. I had no idea. I, I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing, but I know that my soul was crying, and I needed to do something to nurture my soul, and I didn't have anybody to guide me. I had to figure it all out on my own, okay? And so what was I doing prior to that, prior to walking to that door? Well... I haven't, And the reason I mention all this is not because this is about me talking about myself. It's because I want you to know, you know, to learn from what, what I have been going through so that things will be so much easier for you. You see? So what I was doing before, before everything happened was that I have been walking aimlessly through life. As I like to say, I was letting life leave me instead of, The other way around. I was following what everyone else was doing, never thinking about my spirituality, never taking time to reflect, never wondering what my divine life mission might be, until the day when, out of the blue, my Christopher, my six year old son, my oldest one, was diagnosed with leukemia and died at eight years old. Almost three years later, after having endured so many treatments, folks, and hospital states, it was at the moment of the diagnosis, though, when I look back, that the thunderbolt felt for me. I immediately began to question my beliefs, as well as the comments that people made to me. Questions that they were like, I, people would say that to me, Are you angry Guy? Don't you ask yourself, Why me? It was so eye opening. When this was happening, it was so eye-opening for me. I realized that those were not the right questions. No, at least for me, those were not the right questions. The right questions for me were, why would I blame God for what happened? That was the right question. So I realized as I walked through that door that opened up that I didn't believe. I didn't and I couldn't believe in a God, in a higher power that sends leukemia to little children. No, 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 no. No, I believed in a God that created this beautiful world and knew that random things can happen at any time. And that when they do happen, things such as life-threatening illnesses, freak accidents, murder, suicide, you name it, when these things happen, we have a choice. We can blame God or a higher power or the universe, or we can take God's hand and say, God, please, walk with me. Hold me when I can no longer walk. Give me the strength to carry on and guide me so that I make the best choices for my son who is ill and for my family. So what do you think about this? Have you also pondered about this when you were going through your own journey? What questions and what answers did you come up with? I would love love it if you share any of them, okay? So you could call in the show at 646-378 or 0378 and share your thoughts. So as I was saying, with my son's diagnosis, realizations began to flood me, and they were spiritual realizations, and they helped me cope with what was happening to my precious child what was happening to my life and to my family. Because of those realizations, I did not hold any anger toward God. Not that there is anything wrong with being angry with God, but that just wasn't the case with me. I felt deep in my very soul that the force that we call God, higher power, the universe, whatever, loves us unconditionally and will not intervene to bring bad things to us. But however... Once this world was created, there are things that can happen that are out of even God's control. But I could not see God. I could not, really and truly, I still cannot see God as a puppeteer up in heaven, moving all the strings of us humans on earth and choosing my son to be terminally ill. No way, Jose. I did not believe in that type of God. And you know, I may be that you do. And it's okay, you know, uh, some people do. And I respect, I totally, fully, and completely respect everyone's relationship with God because our bond with our Creator is very personal. Don't you agree? I'm just sharing here with you some of the aha moments I had during my journey of loss. when I decided, not even consciously, I guess I just had no other choice. You know, my soul was crying so much. I had no other choice, but I walked through that door. that spiritual door. Okay? So what am I trying to convey here? I'm trying to convey that because of our loss, we have an opportunity to question everything we have believed so far, to get in touch with a different way of looking at life, a different way of looking at religion, a different way of looking at God, and a different way to look at what we believe in. And why is this so important? Because the majority of us grow up to be followers of the way in which we were raised by our parents, our society, our church to be. This is how we were raised to be. And when we were children, we might have been told to not question things. So we took it all in. We absorbed it until – and we lived that way until the loss happened, the illness happened, happened, the accident happened. Whatever the devastating, heartbreaking event was, it presented us with the option of examining ourselves and our beliefs. And when we do this, we learn a lot about ourselves. We learn clarity. We begin to get in touch with spiritual truths that are deep and that resonate deeply within us and that helps us move forward so that we can experience a better life, even though we have had such a tremendous loss. What do you think about what I'm saying? Do you agree with me or not? Have you been doing your own self-examination, asking yourself deep questions about life and about death? Let me know. Share it with us. Feel free to call in the show. Well, do you know something? Sometimes during my wonderings and ponderings about life and about God and about everything, I became aware. I became in touch with the angels. It happened as I was struggling to rebuild my life after, after not only losing my son, but also after divorcing his father a few months after his death. I had so many fears, and there were so many unknowns. Well, that's when I bought my first deck of angel cards, and that was 20 years ago. And at first, when I would draw a card or cards, I felt frustrated because I did not feel that the answers to my questions that I was receiving the answers to the questions that I was asking. But in time, as I continued, I kept at it. I realized, you know, that, first of all, the messages that we receive from the angels are subtle. And in order to receive them, we must first develop our intuition. And in order to develop our intuition, we have to make time for silence and for reflection. And once we do that, we will know, when to stop shuffling the cards, we will sense somewhere inside of us that this is the card or the card that I'm I meant to choose for this reading. And cards will jump out the desk and, out of the deck when you're shuffling, and that is the angels that are like tripping over themselves to give you that particular message. So, It's a beautiful thing that begins to happen. It is a magical thing. And it took time, and I had to be patient, patient. But my patience paid off, paid off big time, because now the answers that I receive are always pertinent to my questions. And what that does is that it affirms for me that that connection that I have with the angels is real, and that I'm not alone trying to solve all my problems because they're around, willing, able, and wanting to help me. Do you want this for yourself? Can you imagine what it would be like for you to feel less anxious, less afraid, to be able to not only be open, but to be able to identify and to act upon guidance from God and the angels who know and who see everything? Well, I'm here to tell you that it is possible to live this way, and it is a beautiful, beautiful a much easier and a much more filled with wonder way to live our life. One of the things that is essential in order to get to live like that is to let go of control, to realize that any control that we think we have about what happens in our lives is a delusion. The truth is that we do not know whether we're going to be here tomorrow or whether our loved ones will be here either. Now, do we want to keep that present in our minds? No, we do not. It feels too morbid. But, you know, once you lose a child or a loved one, you are faced with this truth head on, and that realization changes you. It changes the way you see life and the way you express your love. At some level, those who are bereaved, we tend to live life more intensely because we know firsthand that we cannot take it for granted, that we will always have, those ones that we love around us. Does this touch a chord with you? If it does, let me know. Let me know. Call the show. So let's go back to the subject of control, and you're probably asking yourself, well, how can I let go of control? How can I do that when so many fears enter my life after having lost my child or my loved one? Well, that is our task. That is the work that we need to do. For any of you who listened to my last show, if you remember, if you listened to it, I discussed how as adults, part of what we need to do to grow spiritually is to begin to let go and to trust in our higher power, God and the angels, to trust that they will protect you and take care of your needs while you do the necessary work to make it happen by following their guidance. I also talked in my last show about the fact that when we're children, we live that way. We don't worry about how we're going to get our food or pay the mortgage or get clothes. No, for the most part, unless we have very unfit parents, we trust in our earthly parents. We trust in their ability to take care of us and to provide for us. So once we're able to relax into the life that we're meant to live by choosing to be present, by choosing to um, live like children do, with that uh, complete trust that our needs are going to be taken care of at every step of the way, by not taking for granted that we'll be here tomorrow or even later today, and by using our minds wisely. How? By choosing to dwell on positive thoughts, right, than negative ones by taking time to reflect about how we're feeling and what we want in life, by realizing that to pray, and this is important, to pray means to break ourselves open, to receive from the universe and from God what we're meant to receive. To pray does not mean that we're asking for what we want. No. To pray means that we're asking and we're trusting that God, the universe, the higher power, the angels, they know what is best for us and for others. And so when we pray, we ask for what is best for us and for others. And that is what praying means. So we truly truly cannot get mad at God because he did not answer our prayers the way that we requested them. Because when you ask that way, you're showing that we are showing that we do not trust that God or a higher power knows what is best for us, what would be the most conducive event to our spiritual growth, which is what matters in the end when all is said and done. Do you see how there is a path that we can take that will lead us to experiencing dramatically better, more enjoyable, more fulfilled, and more peaceful life? So what is the caveat? The caveat is that we need to be willing to do a lot of work along the way, that we need to be willing to excavate inside ourselves, to go into our own archaeological dig inside of ourselves, to, to unearth the feelings that we have been denying, to heal the wounds that we have buried in our hearts, to get rid of the fears that lead us to worry incessantly to get rid of the habits that we need to let go of. And it can be daunting, all this work. But let me tell you, it's worthwhile. It is so worthwhile. worthwhile. Because while doing this, what will happen? Well, you will be able to figure out what you came to this world to do. You will be able to figure out what your gifts are. You will be able to do that. And you want to know what mine are? Well, Part of the reason why I'm here right now doing this show, I have realized, and it took me a long time, but I have realized that I have the gift of being able to see the big picture, which means that when I talk or when I meet with a client and hear the struggles that they're facing, I'm able to clearly see the steps they need to take in order to go from a life of struggle to a life of ease. And it took me a long time to realize this. You know, and the way that I do it, the unique way that I do it is, is that it involves a connection with the spirit. This is a much more powerful way going from struggle to ease than just doing it, um, just following practical and pragmatic ways using your mind. When you access the spirit, the, the changes can truly appear magically and can truly just skyrocket our healing. So that is what is unique about my approach with my clients. So my divine, what I realized is my divine mission involves helping others navigate through their own individual path towards the life that they have always wanted to live, the life that they were meant to live. So to that purpose, in my initial course, I teach my clients to do what I call emotional feng shui to their lives. And so once they have cleared, because, you know, feng shui is all about clearing, opening space. Once they they clear their emotional, you know, field, they are ready to begin to connect and trust in their intuition. So they can then go on to take my next course, the next level, which is called say hello to your intuition. And after that, after they are able, they have learned, I have taught them how to connect with their intuition, then they can choose to work with me, in my mastermind class, that is called the Intuition Gateway. And in that way, they can access the angels and God and transform their lives radically through their guidance and their support. Now, wouldn't you love to figure out what you came into this world to do before you were told to do you know, something that would make enough money or gave you a certain prestige, or before you were made to totally feel inadequate or not enough by society, schoolmates, friends, or family? I know that most of us can relate to this sort of experience, that of wanting to do something or feeling drawn to a field and being told that we will not be able to make a living doing that, or hearing comments about us that made us feel bad or not smart enough or not sociable enough or or whatever, not enough. Can you relate to this? If you have tried for a long time to change your life without success, to if you have been feeling confused and lost and you feel like you're spinning your wheels like you are like a little hamster in that wheel and you can't you know jump out, if you're feeling that you know that something is missing, but you don't know what or what steps to take to to find that, perhaps your moment has arrived and the moment is now. And if you' are feeling that this is the case, I want you to feel free to contact me. and you can email me at Selene Negrete author at yahoo.com, and that way we can set up a phone call to talk about whether what you want to see in your life and what I bring to the table are a good fit. You got absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. So why am I talking about this? Well, I'm talking about this because I'm passionate about the fact that it is never too late to make the necessary changes within yourself so that your outer world will change for the better. And you know why? Because I did this in my own life. What's amazing is that I did this after the loss of my son and not before. I was lost. I was plundering in the life of misery and deep discontent, but I felt stuck. So it was actually the diagnosis and the subsequent death of my son, Christopher, that brought about the insight into what I needed to do to radically transform my life for the better, to what I needed to do in order to figure out what my divine mission in life is and what I needed to do to continue to live without my beloved son and to give myself permission to be happy again in spite of his loss. But isn't that amazing? It still amazes me even to this day that, just after, that the, the bigger changes and transformations happened to me after, after the loss of my son. That's when I opened my eyes. And I have a knickling, like deep, I have a gut feeling deep, deep inside of me that this is resonating with you as well, that these questions, that these yearnings are also within you. Am I right? So the point that I'm trying to make is that your life is not over, even though it feels that way, because of your devastating loss. I know that it feels as as if it is over. And it will continue to feel that way for quite a while, especially if your loss is recent within a year or two or three or four or five, especially when it's a child that you have lost. I know that it took, it took five years. It was after five years that I began to feel a sort of a release of the tight hold that grief had over me. It took five years. You know what I believe? I firmly believe that when we lose a child or a loved one, they, our child or a loved one, they begin to work diligently with us to help us heal. From the realm, from where they are, from the spiritual realm, they begin to work diligently with us to help us heal so that we can continue to live instead of being stuck in a cycle of suffering, in a cycle of pain, in a cycle of regret, in a cycle of guilt in a cycle of sadness because that is the last thing our children or our loved ones want for us. Do you believe this? If you do, you will feel in your gut when you hear your words that, that this truly is what you believe. And let me know what you think by calling this number, 646-378-0378. So I ask of you, <clears throat> what questions what realizations? What yearnings have your loss have your loss brought into your life? Because those deserve to be brought into the light, to be examined and to be pursued. They are rising up to your conscious level for a reason. And, and you know what? It's not a coincidence. This is happening because your time to step up into a new phase in your life has arrived. Are you ready to do this? I mean, you don't have to do it. Plenty of people ignore the insights and realizations that come, and not because they want to ignore them, but because, you know what, when something like this happens, we're just doing whatever it is that we need to do in order to survive, to make it day to day. So, you know, you don't have to be ready. My point in in mentioning these things is not to make you feel bad. There is no room for making you feel bad. There is no need for you to feel bad at all. But I do know that a time comes when the time comes when you will be ready to pay attention to the insights, to pay attention to the realizations. You know. When you choose to ignore them or to just not to ignore them, but when you're not able to, you know, listen to those or to get in touch with those realizations, well life is not easy, it's not inspired, it's not fulfilling. In fact, it feels like an effort just to survive, just to make it day-to-day. And is that what you want for yourself? I mean, long-term, I don't think so. I really don't. I think that if you ask yourself that question, you will get the answer deep inside of you that you don't want to continue to live like this. You may have to for a while, but you don't deserve to live like this on the long-term. No, you did not deserve what happened. You did not deserve what happened to your loved one or to your child. So. In the back of your mind, you might be thinking that you deserve to be miserable in order to atone for what happened to your child, but that is not the right way to go about it, is it? No. There is no need to atone for what happened because what happened was not under your control, was not your fault. And no matter how miserable you choose to be in your life, nothing is going to bring back to life the person that you lost, Right? How I wish that were not true, that there was some way to go back in time and change the events that happened to us. But unfortunately, that is not the way this physical world works. So know that there's always hope. This is the message that I'm bringing to you. This is what I'm about. There's always hope. The hope that you will be reunited with your child or with your loved one at the end of your life journey. This is something I firmly believe in. The hope that not only you can survive such a loss, but you can learn to live better as a result of it. And what do I mean by better? I mean a life where your every action is rooted in the deep knowledge that every second of life is a gift. can be taken away. And because of this, you make sure, you make darn sure to be present as much as possible in whatever you do, with whomever you interact with be it someone at work, at home, strangers or friends, a life in which you discover your special gifts and find a way to make a living while joyfully using those gifts to make a difference in the lives of others. That life, that very life is waiting for you at this moment. Does this resonate with you? Does it resonate with anyone who is listening to my show today? Let me know if you agree or disagree with anything of what I have been talking about, because I welcome your comments. Now, some of you may know that this summer I published a book. The title is not your usual grief book. How to heal while connecting with your child who died, and this book is a book that brings in the spiritual element to um, to help in the healing process. And It encapsulates everything that I have learned during my own journey of grief, as well as during the 17 years i worked with grieving parents and children as a pediatric, hospice, social worker. And this book is a true labor of love. And I want to make an offer to anyone who is listening. If you would like to receive a free copy of my book, be the first person to call into the show. You can share what your biggest lesson has been after your loss. And when you do that, I will put a signed copy of my book in the mail after you give us your name and address. And this book is very special, and it's particularly helpful for parents who have lost a child over a year ago. And even though it is written for bereaved parents, the contents of it, the practices in it, can be utilized by anyone who has lost a loved one with equal results. I hope you take me up on this offer because you will not regret it. The book includes an eight-week step-by-step process to help grieving parents heal. Notice that I'm not saying that the grief will stop. What I'm saying is that healing is possible and that when healing takes place, it allows the person to move forward while always having their child or loved one ever present in their minds, hearts, and lives. So does this make any sense? If you would like to receive this guidance for free, then don't hesitate to call in. I will share with you that as heartbreaking as it was to lose my child, it would have been more heartbreaking if I had allowed it to stop me from living or moving forward. Don't you agree? As a result of the work I have done in my life, a work that you can also do in your own time and only when you are ready, I have experienced what I consider to be a miraculous transformation, but it has taken me years and years because I had to figure it out all on my own. I had to read lots and lots of self-help books and go to many retreats, conferences, in order to get to this point in my life where I feel clear about my place and my mission in this world, where I'm at peace with my relationship, where I'm not bitter or angry or depressed. So I want to make it easier for you. That is the reason I wrote this book and the reason why I offer the courses and the programs that I offer. If you are a grieving parent, you can follow the steps in my book yourself and begin to experience positive changes on your own while taking a longer time to see those changes. Or you can choose to have me be your guide so you can see faster results for your efforts. So instead of having to go to many places, see many people, read many guides, books, and and sign up for many different courses or programs, you can find it all in one place. One comprehensive nugget of invaluable assistance to you. And the key to your healing Is coming from someone who has walked in your shoes. How I wish, let me tell you, that there had been someone offering what I offer, available, when I was grieving. But sadly, there wasn't. Yes, there were books and there were courses and support groups for bereaved parents, but there was nothing to support my spiritual quest, the realizations and insights that were quickly piling up on my lap as a result of my grief. There were so many of them, You know, for one, you know, what do we come into this world for? Because it became instantly clear to me at the very instant that I saw my son's lifeless body that who he was, what made him Christopher, had left him at the moment of his death. I knew then that his soul had made him who he was. And what I was looking at was the shell, the cocoon that covered and sheltered his beautiful soul. Another realization was that an angel or a loving spirit had been waiting for his soul to depart, as evidenced by the otherworldly, intense smell of roses that was in the space between him and I, hours before his passing. And anyways, the list of these realizations goes on and on. And they continue. As he began to visit me in dreams that felt like visitations, where he always hugged me tightly and told me that he loved me, it became so clear, in fact, crystal clear to me that he wanted to soothe me and to remind me that his love for me had not died when he died, but that is eternal. So do you begin to get an idea why it was hard for me to find the support and guidance that I desperately needed during that time? Family and friends did not understand. The church did not understand. Support groups did not understand. I did not want to talk endlessly about how sad I was. And how much I miss my son. No. No. What I wanted and needed was to make sense of the spiritual insights that were showing up in my life. The spiritual questions that were showing, that were coming up. The spiritual experiences that were happening. That's what I needed. And I also needed to stop giving so much power to my mind. Because my mind kept being fear and in an endless cycle of pain. So I began to stay, pay attention to my gut feelings, to my intuition, and to trust in it. So this has been a very lengthy process but very worthwhile because it is essential that we get in touch with the intuition in order to be able to tune into spirit. So if you're someone, if you are listening in right now and you're someone who as a result of your loss has become a spiritual seeker, you have found the right person in me to work with you and to help you at this time. Because what I do is directly aligned with what you are seeking, and it only and it only makes me very happy to be able to help you. So I see now that we're getting close to the end of the show, and what I usually do is I briefly summarize some of the points that I have been making. So at the beginning of the show, I talked about the fact that uh, one of the things that makes makes it harder for anyone who is grieving the loss of a child or a loved one. As, you know, when we lose someone, is that change has been thrust upon us. And change is scary. And we all want to stay within our comfort zones, right? But when a loss happens, we're thrown completely, completely out of our comfort zone. And we are left a bit dazed and confused and most of all paralyzed. So I also discussed how going into our shells as a result of the loss is a normal coping mechanism because we need to put protect ourselves from further pain. The pain that we're feeling is so unbearable. And it's normal to do so for a certain period of time, which varies between individuals. But after a while, it becomes necessary that we get out of our ourselves and begin to face our lives. I also share 10 tips, 10 suggestions that you can, you know, pick and choose. And they can, they are helpful. They can be helpful to you as you face the difficult time that the holidays present when we miss our child or our loved one so much and when we're reminded at every corner of him or her. I then talked about what we can do to support our spirituality while grieving. And one of the ways to do that is to remember that God and the angels are only waiting for us to ask for their help. If you're feeling angry at God because your prayers were not answered or feel let down, you can always ask the angels who, as the messengers of God, can help you a great deal at this time and whose pure energy will be extremely healing to you. Then I talked about how I came, I explained a little bit about um, how I came to figure out what my gifts are and how to offer them to the world and to you. Uh, It is with a humble heart and with a pure intention that I'm here today during this show and that I wrote the book, Know Your Usual Grief Book, How to Heal While Connecting with Your Child who died, who died. I feel that the best way to live after you have experienced the loss of a loved one is to share what you have learned from that experience with others. So that is exactly what I'm doing in my work. And I went on to offer, um, to give a free copy of my book to the first caller that calls into the show. And... Um, and decides to share the most important lesson that he or she has learned from the loss. And if nobody calls in today, I will repeat my offer during the month of December. And one thing that I want to do is I want to encourage you to share the information about my show with any friend or anyone who you think would benefit from listening to this show. You never know what a difference doing that can make on another person's life. And lastly, you know, what I like to do is I usually end my show by um, shuffling um, a deck of uh, angel cards and ask for the angels to give a message for anyone who's listening to this show. And today I'm using a different deck. I'm using the Archangel Oracle Cards by Doreen Virtue. And so I want to uh, bring in the, the big guns, the, the managers of the angels, which are the archangels, and, and ask them... Um, for a message for, for anyone who is listening to the show, that this message may, may bring um, answers to a question that they have or encouragement or solace to their heart during this difficult time, you know, that acknowledges the difficulty that it is to be grieving and to be missing someone that we dearly loved who is no longer here. So, um, So I'm going to see. So this is the message. The card that came through is from um, Archangel Raguel, and it's called Claire Sentience. Archangel Raguel, um, he says, to you, anyone who is listening, notice your recurring physical and emotional feelings as they signify divine guidance. So the additional message from Archangel Raguel is, Please honor your feelings. Don't be afraid of deep emotions or intense feelings. And you know, this goes hand in hand with one of the tips that I gave today, which was allow yourself to cry. Allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. Do not, do not just uh, squelch it. Okay? And he says, I can help you distinguish between your own feelings and those those of others. I'll also help you clear any energies you may absorb. I will guide you toward people, situations, and places with clear and loving energy. Let me just continue to find. Your repetitive emotions and physical feelings provide important information, so please notice and follow those feelings. They are answers to your prayers. Ask me to help translate confusing messages so that you clearly know which steps to take. So I wanted to find out a little bit about what the, the job or the mission of Archangel Raguel is. And Archangel Raguel is the archangel who helps healing arguments or misunderstandings, bringing harmony to situations, and attracting wonderful new friends. So, this archangel who helps with any kind of um, arguments, misunderstandings, uh, needs for harmony in situations, is just giving you a message for you to pay attention to any physical or emotional feelings that you're having. And to honor them and to recognize that he is trying to give you, to give you, um, to answer the questions and the prayers that you're asking. And what you can do if you, if you don't know really what those physical and emotional feelings mean, you can say, Archangel Raguel, please help me translate confusing messages so that I will clearly know which steps do I need to take. So this is a very, very beautiful message from Archangel Radwell for this week. I hope that it resonates with you and that you take it to heart and keep in mind during this week. I want you to know that if you um, would like to contact me, again, you can email me at selene.negreteauthor@yahoo.com at yahoo.com, or you can um, private message me at my Facebook page. Um, which you can find on Facebook um, if you look for uh, Spirit Whispers with Selene. Or you can also check out my website, which is www.notyourusualgriefbook.com In there, you will find the link if you wanted to purchase my book, Not Your Usual Grief Book, How to Heal While Connecting With Your Child Who Died. And you can also find out more information about my work and my background. So I just I will leave you at this point. I will carry you, though, in my heart. And I also want to let you know that in my Spirit Whispers with Selene Facebook page, every Monday at 11 a.m., I do a video and I bring a message from the angels for that week. So you are welcome to visit me there. I do a live stream every Monday at 11, okay? So I carry you in my heart until next Thursday when I'll be back with you from 10 in the morning until 11. Take care and blessings to you.